Podcast. You're invited to my party, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. listening to the world of horror. I'm your host Andy, and I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode. I know it's been a while since I put one out, but you know things happen, life happens, and uh, moved a couple of times and um just kind of got lazy and uh kind of had to get re-inspired to do this thing, but but here we are and uh it's going to be a little bit different format. Um for the most part it's probably going to be solo episodes with just me but you know dave may hop on here and there we'll just see he's got plenty of things going on with his show over at all things dave so you should definitely go check that out i've been a host once on there and probably will be a host many more times as well and uh what kind of i was kind of wanting to reformat this show a little bit i was i had you know i i wanted to keep doing the reviews Kind of like what I was doing with Bad Taste and the Alpha Incident. I want to keep doing these reviews of these kind of obscure horror movies. The ones from the Mill Creek Collections. The Grindhouse type movies. The ones that people just don't really ever talk about anymore. And I feel like they're forgotten horror. So I want to just say this is going to be kind of my new series going forward. It's going to be Forgotten Horror. And uh, it's going to be movies from the Mill Creek Collections. It's going to be movies from just obscure movies if I run across any. So yeah, I'm just going to have fun with this. Uh, this is something I've actually wanted to do for a while. And uh, you know, I, so I started it with the Mill Creek Reviews. Um, and that's mainly where the movies are going to come from. But also there's other movies that I can think of that aren't in those collections that I also want to talk about. And shed some light on it and, and let you guys know about these movies. The style is going to be kind of like if Ken Burns, who's like a documentarian type guy that does documentaries on like jazz and the Civil War, a lot of his documentaries play on PBS. So they're pretty serious, you know, pretty well done. But I want to do that for these Grindhouse movies. And I know that sounds silly maybe to some people, but, you know, it's something that I want to do. I want to kind of shine a light on these these B movies, but kind of give them a kind of a cool serious treatment that they probably never had before and uh well you know we'll just see see where it goes and you know as the episodes progress i'll i'm sure i'll get better and uh so without further ado here is this episode and i hope that you discover some movies you've never heard of before on february 16th 1973 spanish director claudio guerin hill was directing his latest movie and tragically, he fell to his death from the bell tower that is featured in the movie. The production of the movie will be picked up by Juan Antonio Bardem. Bardem may be a, a last name that you recognize. He is the uncle of Academy Award winning actor Javier Bardem. And the film that I'm talking about is 
Bell from Hell from 1973. So in Bell from Hill, we are following a character named John, and we are joining the story as he's being released from a mental hospital. And right from the start, you can tell he's making preparations. Preparations for what? Well, as you find out, he is on a mission of vengeance. John's mother was very wealthy. John's mother passed away when John was young, still a child, and so... John's aunt then became the executor of his mother's estate. His aunt was quite selfish, quite greedy, and she wanted the money for her and her girls, John's cousins. So she came up with the idea to have one of his cousins, the oldest cousin, try to seduce John to try to get his inheritance. John didn't want to have any part of it. They were teenagers, I guess. Or, you know, a little bit older. John did not want to have any part of it. And so, he did not sleep with his cousin. But his cousin still claimed that he raped her. And, you know, and the aunt put her up to this. So, John was accused of rape. And he was found, I guess, it doesn't really explain any type of court case or anything like that, but he did go stay in a mental hospital for three years. And so his aunt had him declared insane so she could basically have his money, be in control of his money. Now he, somehow, he's able to get out of the hospital, he's able to convince, I'm not quite sure why his aunt let him get out of the hospital because it would really be to her favor for him to stay there forever, but he's getting out of the hospital now, and the doctor's telling him, okay, you are on probation, you need to check in with me every so often. Well, John doesn't even care, he doesn't, he has no interest in checking in with the doctor, no interest in ever going back to this hospital, I mean, he definitely has plans, you can tell from the opening scene, he is scheming, he's making some kind of scheme, so, so the movie basically is showing us John's journey to get revenge on his aunt and his cousins. He goes back to his mother's house that has been abandoned since she passed away because I guess when she passed away he went to live with his aunt and his cousins. And he has three cousins, three women. So they're all at least, I'm not sure what the ages of everybody are, it's not really quite clear, but like the older John and the two older cousins appear to be in their 20s and the younger cousin is probably in her teens because later on the aunt, her mother says she's not of age yet or she's not legal, legally old enough to be on her own. So uh, I'm just going to assume that she is in her teens. So John goes back to his mother's house which has been abandoned and he you know, fixes it up, cleans it up and he decides he's going to live there much to the dismay of his aunt. His aunt pretty much wants him just to go away. Well, his aunt pretty much doesn't want him to be around. She will find any excuse that she can to lock him up away in the mental hospital. 
And so when he comes back, he makes his presence known to his aunt and his cousins. And the story just goes on from there. Now, I will give you this warning before you even attempt to watch this movie. There is a warning I want to give to everybody. There is a scene in a slaughterhouse where you are seeing cows killed. Um, And it's very upsetting. I had no pleasure in watching this. So if you, if that kind of thing, if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, or if you just don't want to watch it, I do not blame you in the slightest. Um, there is, you know, a couple of scenes that are, you know, a sequence of shots where they are killing animals in a slaughterhouse. Um, and it's because that John goes there and he only works in the slaughterhouse for one day. And he goes to the clerk at the end of the day and he, and the clerk's like, why are you leaving? Why are you quitting? And he says, I've learned enough. So that kind of goes to show you he is making schemes that involve something in the slaughterhouse. Uh, It's really quite disturbing. So I just want to give you guys that heads up. Um, It does have that scene where they're actually killing cows in the slaughterhouse. Uh, It's it's really quite abrupt too. It just starts off with the scene of an animal being killed. So it's hard to even like tell you when to fast forward or to skip over a scene. So anyway, so if that kind of thing bothers you, this probably isn't the movie for you. You should probably just, uh, you can check out this episode, hear what I say about it, and be good with it, probably. But anyway, like I said, John is on a mission of vengeance. Um, You know, at the beginning, when he is upon his release, you know, they're giving him his personal effects back in an envelope. He just kind of dumps them out, and he's going through, and he finds a picture of a woman we assume it's his girlfriend that he had before he came into the mental hospital, and he just rips that in half, throws it away, doesn't care about it at all. Um, he also has a picture of uh, four children, and we're assuming it's him, because it's one boy and three girls. We're assuming it's him and his cousins when they were children playing. He begins to rip that picture up, but then he saves it and puts it in his pocket, telling you that he's not quite done with them yet. He still has unfinished business with his cousins. And it's, it's interesting, you can tell from the beginning that this director really has a visual style to his to his filmmaking. Um, he has an interesting way of filming scenes with the camera, um, filming at odd angles, and it's almost like part of it is in like a POV style, so it's like you're walking down the hallway as John, as he's leaving the asylum, you're, you're kind of, and you feel like you're being watched because it the camera kind of zooms in on people looking out through their doorways to their rooms. And uh, and so it really feels like he's escaping this this asylum. So it's kind of interesting way of filming it. Um, and we really don't know what John has went through while he's been in this mental hospital. We know he's been there later on. You find out he's been there for three years. And you can tell he wants nothing more to do with this hospital, this, this doctor, this psychiatric hospital. And he doesn't care about his probation. Um, you know, the doctor gives him a court summons to appear in court. And as John is leaving the hospital, he just lights it on fire and throws it on the ground. He does not care. Um, and as he is traveling back to his home on a motorcycle, um, we run into, he runs into a truck carrying a large bell on the back of it. And this is a bell that's featured throughout the movie. We, we see, we see that we keep, Going back to this bell as it travels to the countryside and to the city to its final destination. And 
and its path and John's path do intersect a few times and definitely intersect at the end. Um, now I'm not going to say what happens at the very end of this movie because, you know, I feel like it's a movie worth watching with the exception of the aforementioned scene I mentioned earlier. But you can tell, it's interesting because you can tell that John is coming back to raise hell because he's pissed off. He's been locked away in this psychiatric hospital for three years. So it's fitting that he rides into the countryside on this loud motorcycle. He's riding through the, this like peaceful countryside. And he stops to talk to this old man who uh, appears to be a shepherd. And he has some kind of connection with this old man because this old man tells him that, you know, from a child I could tell you were going to be unlucky. And uh, and he asks John why he's come back. And this this old shepherd, he has kind of a mystical quality to him. And, and we come back to him later in the movie a couple of times. Uh, it's quite, quite interesting the, the role that this guy takes you know, by the end of the film. Um, he tells John that fate has already dealt his hand. But John says, but I'm going to be the one to play them. So it's kind of interesting. You know, John already, does, you know, he has plans. And we kind of see the past played out um, through uh, audio recordings that John has made. Because he actually made a recording of the incident when he was accused of rape. And so he has the audio recording. So it's playing. He's sitting, he's sitting there listening to it. So we kind of hear that whole scenario play out but also through the movie John is haunted by the song it's Frere Jock it's it's a song that everybody's kind of learned how to to sing when they're younger I think I know when I was it was before kindergarten but at the daycare that I was at they taught us how to sing Frere Jock and I'm not going to attempt to sing it here on the podcast because I have a horrible singing voice but most people probably know the song I'm talking about but it's kind of featured throughout this movie so I think it's something that probably because I think the song is in French and so I think that that must have been something that John and his cousins probably sang a lot when they were kids while they were playing and if I didn't mention earlier this is a French Spanish production so the voices in this movie are dubbed any version you find is going to have the dubbed English voices which it doesn't really bother me I'm okay with that so yeah, so the aforementioned scene at the slaughterhouse kind of gives you a hint as to John's plans for his cousins, or for his aunts and cousins. You don't really know quite sure what those plans are, but it's pretty ominous. If he, if he has to learn, he spends a day at the slaughterhouse and says he's learned all he needs. But you can tell that John is very intelligent. He, he definitely, you know, is strategic. Um, he's able to pull off a prank at a moment's notice. Uh, there is a gentleman that comes to his aunt's house and John is there visiting his aunt. I think it's the, it's the first time that he makes his presence known to his aunt. You know, he, he tells her that he's arrived from the psychiatric hospital, but she is making them tea in the kitchen. And this man comes, he is in the construction trade and his aunt wants some kind of work done. But while they're waiting for his aunt to come out of the kitchen, John tells the man, a, you know, this story that he's made up about his aunt and how her daughter's died in a tragic fishing accident out, out to sea. And uh, that, you know, his, his aunt keeps her door open, doors open on a foggy day in hopes that her daughters will come back. 
And in actuality, in reality, the cousins are out fishing on a fishing trip. And it is a foggy day. So it's really funny. He just comes up with this on a moment's notice. And it, and it kind of freaks the the salesman out. Because he, you know, John says that the aunt expects, still expects the daughters to come back any day. Even though they died. And sure enough, you hear the girls singing and talking. And they come up the walk out of the fog. And the guy just drops his tea and he runs away. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. John has a playful personality and he likes to pull off pranks especially at the expense of his aunt and his cousins because he really i don't know it's interesting he has a weird relationship with his cousins there's some kind of weird attraction going on with one of them especially um that he is attracted to and the youngest cousin has some obsession with him too but she's like a teenager so it's really weird but he does he doesn't seem to hold the youngest cousin responsible for whatever has happened in the past so the picture that he ripped up earlier when he found the when he had that picture of I'm assuming it's his girlfriend that he ripped up she is now married to this older gentleman and this is a guy that features prominently in this movie because John keeps going back to this woman kind of taunting her and talking to her and uh, and we're not really sure what his goals are with her too but he basically tells her that I guess before he went to the psychiatric hospital, he set up microphones in her bedroom. So he hears what her and her husband are talking about all the time. But like I said, the husband comes back into play. He becomes, he's actually the the salesman that, that John scares off earlier in that earlier scene with the girls coming in from the fishing trip. But this husband comes back as an integral part of the storyline because him and his friends are out hunting and there's a scene where there's a young local girl that's out uh, walking and the husband and his friends, they seem like they don't have good intentions towards her. They, they try to talk to her. She really doesn't want to have any part of it. You know, they attempt to, they really are terrorizing her. It almost seems like there's going to be some kind of uh, physical assault, sexual assault maybe. And uh, John actually comes to her rescue that you know that kind of plays into the ending too because we find out that the uh local this isn't really a spoiler but we find out that the local girl is the shepherd's daughter um and he's quite unhappy quite angry that some somebody has tried to assault his daughter and he asks john who it is john tells him but you kind of find out more about that later on it's kind of a fitting end for everything but even though it's interesting though john is this kind of complex character because he's supposed to be our quote-unquote hero or he's kind of the person i wouldn't really call him a hero he's more a protagonist i guess but he's also an antagonist towards his aunt and cousins but he also is somewhat of a protective person because he does save the little girl from being assaulted by these men it's the shepherd's daughter and so he has a like i said he has a special bond with the shepherd for some reason it's not quite explained John is also friendly with a local priest, too. He says that the priest is the only person that tried to help his mother. We really don't know what happened with his mother, but she had some issues. And she was pretty much shunned by her, by the aunt and the cousins, by her family. The local priest is the only person that really tried to help her. You know, John recognizes this and, and goes and talks with the priest and, and tells him that he appreciates him trying to help his mother. And, you know, the the priest kind of asks him, well, what, is he, what are his plans? What are his plans for the future? John just kind of makes a remark, oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> so that kind of gives us another clue. He is on a mission of vengeance. 
throughout the first part of this movie, it's a lot of cat and mouse. John plays a lot of kind of cat and mouse games with his aunt and his cousins. And it kind of culminates in the scene where he invites his aunt and cousins over for dinner at his house. It's kind of funny though because, like I said, he's kind of doing a cat and mouse thing with them because he invites them over to this dinner, but he's also adopted several animals. And he has like a parrot, a monkey, a turtle, all these kind of crazy exotic pets. And he has them just kind of running loose in the house. And so while his aunt and his cousins and him are trying to eat the, have this dinner, you know, the monkey's playing around, the parrot, you know, the turtle's climbing, walking over stuff. Um, it just made the dinner experience crazy. And you really, you can really tell that John is really just toying with them. And he does confront his aunt about the money issues that he discovered. He discovered that the aunt was giving the doctor money, the doctor that was running the psychiatric hospital. So, so John kind of finds out that the doctor had an ulterior motive for keeping him at the hospital as well. And so his aunt denies any kind of wrongdoing. She says that she was using the money to pay for his treatment at the hospital. But John does make it clear that he knows that the aunt and cousins are really just after his money. And this is when we learn that the aunt was made the executor of his mother's will or estate. And if John is declared insane, so I guess he hasn't technically been declared insane yet, but if he is, then the ant will get the money from the estate. And it's interesting, John gives the ant one final chance to kind of redeem herself. Basically, he says, I'll give you all the money, the whole estate, if you'll just give me my passport and let me go. But the ant refuses, refuses to give him his passport. And he says, as you wish, let's begin. And you know that this is the true beginning of his revenge. And as far as the story goes, I'm going to stop there and just, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for you as far as what his revenge is and how the story unfolds from there. Like I said, one of the standout things, and I think this is true with a lot of like European cinema, especially with Italian cinema, we see some interesting camera work done, you know, as whereas like you see some zoom ins and things like that and some odd camera angles. Um, you know, there's one scene where it's kind of a disturbing scene that is with the camera is sitting behind some roses. So you're seeing the scene through a collection of roses. So that, the, like the camera is kind of catching glimpses of what's happening through these roses. So it's kind of an interesting way to, to film the scene. It's, and it's, it's a contrast. You know, you got the beauty of the roses with kind of something disturbing that's having, happening in the foreground behind them. Or in the background behind them, excuse me. And... One thing I like about this movie is, yeah, okay, so it's a revenge movie. You, you kind of think you know how it's going to play out. Uh, but it doesn't quite, there, it does have some twists, some su surprises to it. So it is very unpredictable and surprising. So I like I like the way the movie kind of played out. And you definitely have nods to Edgar Allan Poe. So any Poe fans out there, you're going to appreciate You're going to notice it. Um, notice a nod to The Raven and also a nod to the cask of Amontillado. This movie has a lot of good suspense moments. It's very suspenseful. You can tell it's building to something. So I really enjoyed it in that aspect. Um, John is an interesting character. He's both heroic and sadistic at the same time. So I would say, you know, just kind of my takeaway is it's a good movie. Um, it has some, it has some problematic scenes with the slaughterhouse scene, which I don't really condone. Or like, 
Uh, but if you can get past that, it's a it's a really good movie. It's a solid flick. Um, if you get past the English, the dubbing, the voices. Um, but I would say it's worth a watch. You can find it on Tubi. You can find it on YouTube. Um, with a lot of these movies, you're going to find them on YouTube. You're going to find okay copies on YouTube. And they might be on some other streaming services, but I'll kind of let you know where they're at. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. Um, I know, like I said, it's, it's been a stretch since the last episode. I want to thank you guys for hanging in there with me. And um, I hope you enjoyed this format. I want to just shed a light on some of these lesser known movies. Movies you may not have heard of, and hopefully you will check them out. And you've been listening to the World of Horror.